Hey everyone, uh, we're back with another bite site MMA panel type thing. Uh, two completely new guests with Ed not here. I am moderating, which makes it somewhat difficult on me because Ed is a much more charismatic presence. But uh, I hope I can You're keep doing great already. Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping the whole monotony thing going with the host. So I'm here with Ryan Wagner, one of our analysts who is uh, very smart and well-renowned by everyone oh. worldwide. And of course, uh, Vic Rodriguez off Bloody Elbow, an early supporter of the site and all around very smart, humble person. How are you doing, Vic? You give me way too much credit on the smart and humble part. Well, humble, yes, but smart, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not as dumb as I sound. Well, I'm not as dumb as I look, but I'm nowhere near as smart as I sound. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thrilled you guys actually asked me to be here. I, I've been a big fan since the outset. And uh, I think I even told, uh, you know, I can't remember if it was Ryan or, or, or I don't remember telling you guys, as soon as you guys start podcasts, if you need any help, hit me up, man. And here I am. I'm, I'm glad to do it. I'm happy to see you guys flourishing. You've had a killer year and I, I just wish you many more. It was, uh, you guys are fun and, and you do amazing work. So thank you for this. I'm really, I'm truly grateful. I like this guy. He's gassing us up. We got to bring him back on. <laughs> he's making good. He's making a lot of sense, by the way. Yes, bring him. Yes. <laughs> Clearly, as everyone on Twitter can say, we're not egotists at all. So we really need oh, no. Vic to gas us up. <laughs> so uh, the primary topic of this one, the main event tomorrow, we're going to be putting this up like pretty much as soon as it records. Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against Jeff Neal. Uh, welterweight fight. I guess it's to be a contender. Uh, Wonderboy's in like a weird spot where he's quietly lost a lot of his recent fights but it's quiet because no one cares and Jeff Neal is a pretty stock welterweight prospect who hasn't died in the meat grinder so we're going to start with Vic since we brought him on for a reason uh Vic what are your thoughts starting out on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and his skill set where he stands in the division this is why I'm glad to be here with you guys like you really don't give a fuck and I love it <laughs> like you don't need to be cavalier about any of this no okay see here's the thing man Wonderboy is not he got a lot of flack for good reason when he started out because a lot of the uh, pizzazz that he was able to display, a lot of the things he was able to do super well, um, which all credit to him, but, you know, he wasn't really beating top guys when he was doing his whole kickboxing thing and his, um, his karate competitive career. He just came in, he did very well against, you know, Dan Stitkin. It wasn't that big a deal. And then he got exposed, if you want to call it that, against Matt Brown, who just put the beating. I mean, like, it's it's a fight that said more about Matt Brown than it did about Wonderboy. And, and I'm not, you know, because I'm not here to bury the guy. But it did really answer a lot of questions and definitely proved that he was not ready for prime time. I'm going to give him credit. Look, he was able, he was able to bounce back against Nishan Burrell, Chris Clements. Again, not world beaters, by any means, tough guys, sturdy opposition, but it kind of give it, gave him the confidence and allowed him to restructure and be the guy that eventually would go on to fight and win against guys like Robert Whitaker, who was at welterweight, not the same guy, uh, Jake Ellenberger, who was going through a period of decline at that point, and the wins against Johnny Hendricks and Roy McDonald, which say what you will about Hendricks, I mean, eh, at that point, um, and Rory, who's more of a head guy, right? It, it, it depends on where his mind is at that day. Uh, he's had, I think, a very well-defined ceiling. And that is the sort of spot where he's no longer elite. But I don't think it's entirely fair to call him a gatekeeper, although this appears to be the role that he's been ascribed by the UFC in this particular fight. This is a test of Jeff Neal. This is to see more of, of where Jeff is. 
more so than what the standing of someone like Wonder Boy would be. And um, it does make me a bit sad when they put people in situations of this sort. It's just kind of, you know, like, damn, you guys, you're, you were you were the future 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and now suddenly you're just like, oh, shit, let's see where he's at. Put him in there against Wonder Boy, you know. And um, I, I, I do worry about whether or not it's cap- he's capable, if it's possible for him to have experience any sort of further growth what could he add that was missing to finally break back in? Could he make another run and maybe challenge for a title once again? I don't know that I see it because a lot of the stuff that he'd have to do is so far behind the scenes and not something that he's been showing, not anything he's been um, displaying any evidence of in the actual cage. So I, I'm watching this sort of like, you know, I've, I've got, like I'm peeking through my fingers as I cover up my eyes and you know, I'm like, not because I think he's going to get right, because I worry about what's, what this is going to do to his standing and his possible career. You know, I, I don't know. He's don't so pretty, too. You don't want to see that face get wrecked. Well, he, I mean, he's, a, he's no Ben Cohn, but he is a beautiful man. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I worry about that. I, I don't want to see, I don't want people to think of him as some washed up husband who was never really that good. I would say he was never like super elite from the beginning, as maybe some people wanted him to be, certainly what the UFC had expected him to be. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, that's, you're talking about an organization that is easily distracted by jangling keys, if you, if you were to be uh, completely fair. So, uh, yeah, I, I do have a degree of trepidation because he is going up against Jeff Neal, a very, very sturdy opponent, one of the best uh, prospects, a quiet addition to a division that probably didn't need more amazing talent, yet I'm glad that they have him, and I'm glad that he's succeeded, and I'm glad that he's doing as well as he is. Right. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Wonderboy, like you mentioned, he's in kind of a tough spot where he's seen, obviously, as um, one of the perennial elites in the division. But he's also he's not coming off a great run. Uh, he, he has the Luke win, but he'd recently gotten sparked out by Pettis before that. And he already got two, two shots at the title. So it's kind of in limbo where he's going. And I definitely think this is kind of this matchup is kind of meant to to build up a new prospect. I don't know that it's going to play out like that, though. Stylistically, I don't really like this fight for uh, Jeff Neal at all. Wonderboy, a lot. Of, I think Wonderboy is somebody who a lot of people uh, don't really understand well. You have, like, two, two groups. There, there's opinions on him are very split. Seems like half, the, half of MMA fans think he's God's gift to MMA striking and that he's an incredible... Uh, unbeatable striker and then another half because they, because they've been told by the ufc yeah because there, there's all this marketing he has that 50 you know or whatever kickboxing record um and just the things he does in fights he does a lot of crazy flashy shit that looks really great in the highlight reel and then there's another group that kind of thinks that he's like waiting to get exposed uh they see all the, his weaknesses his pocket defense his propensity for getting hit whenever he's in punching range and they're like, oh, why, why are people not destroying him? And I think he has a style that really lends itself to those extreme opinions. Uh, personally, I think it's somewhere in the middle. He has a style that is really well, uh, well prepared to exploit a lot of what we typically see from MMA fighters. Um, in MMA, obviously, compared to boxing or Muay Thai, they fight at a lot further distance. Uh, guys aren't, they're not standing in the pocket most of the fight. And Wonderboy's game is really built to exploit that longer distance. He wants to, whereas most MMA fighters are usually looking to enter in from kicking range or on the edge of their jab, 
Wonder Boy stands an extra step or two beyond that and just kind of kills whatever potential they have for entries. So if guys like to enter the pocket behind their jab, throw a double jab and then get in on their punching combinations or whatever, Wonder Boy is denying that range and he's keeping them on the outside. Uh, the way he enforces this is, first of all, by with his ring craft, he has an excellent sense of where he is in the cage uh, and his footwork is... He doesn't have great pocket footwork, but when he's on the outside, he's very good at both controlling range and controlling his position in the cage. So if you're trying to cut him off, not only will he be constantly circling, constantly changing directions to faint you out, make you make you step somewhere and commit to a, a direction and then go the other way, but the the actual mechanics of how he moves are very good too. He'll, he'll pull off like tricky switch steps. Uh, he'll do a lot of L steps around the cage. So guy, it, it's really hard to track him down. And if guys get too aggressive and try to enforce that, uh, instead of closing range uh, patiently and soundly with jabs or by kicking their way into range or whatever, oftentimes they'll become frustrated when he's not giving them the distance they want and charge in. And that's when he pulls out his counter punching. So there's strengths and weaknesses to this. When he's fighting kind of an orthodox, typical MMA fighter um, who's looking to enter range behind punching combinations or just throw kicks from range, it's very, very hard for him, for them to force Wonder Boy into the exchanges where they can make something happen. If you look at the Luke fight, he had some good ideas. He was pulling out the leg kicks early. Uh, he was doing some kind of tricky things to close distance. He was trying to like throw the rear straight and then shift into a, a right hook. But overall, he was just kind of too predictable in closing range and Wonder Boy was able to get reads on everything he was doing and take them away with counters. When Luke was trying to run forward, he would either get hit with a, a counter straight uh, when Wonder Boy hopped, stepped back and hit him on the counter, or he would just get side kicked away. And eventually Wonder Boy got a read on the leg kicks and started countering them with punches. So Luke couldn't sit into them comfortably. Now the weaknesses he has, obviously that very upright style that lets him move around really well at range also kind of takes away his ability to fend shots in the pocket. When you're in close in punching exchanges, uh, you either want to defend with a high guard or fold over your hips to slip punches. And Wonder Boy relies on his hands being low, both for takedown defense and so he can throw those counters from awkward angles. And the upright stance is necessary for him to do all that moving around at range. He's very square on the outside and he relies on that for like changing directions along the cage. And that doesn't really lend itself to defending punches on the inside. So when guys can force him into those exchanges and cut him off, then we obviously see those very pronounced weaknesses. Can Jeff Neal force him into the exchanges he needs in order to win the fight? I don't really think so. Jeff Neal's game, he's, he's, he's mainly uh, a distance striker. He prefers setting up just outside punching range in his own kicking range. And his game is kind of built around that southpaw double attack where he'll throw the, the hard left straight to get guys slipping their head to the side of his head kick. And then he can change up between the straight and head kick. Um, He's not great coming forward. If you look at his fight with Bilal Muhammad, he looks kind of confused about how to close distance a lot. And Muhammad looks pretty crafty in that fight, but he's not doing, it's, it's craft over skill in a lot of ways. Like he has good ideas. He's moving around and circling at range, fainting his way in and out and doing a lot to throw off Neil's pressure, but he's not mechanically sound. He's not doing the things that Wonder Boy is going to do. He's not really offering much of a counter threat. And it takes Neil like two rounds to really figure out how to close distance on him comfortably 
And even then it's kind of, he's really relying on his speed to close distance rather than any kind of consistent, uh, any consistent way that I'll, that I think will work against a higher level striker. Neil kind of relies on guys walking into him. He's a lot more comfortable off the back foot. He's a good counter puncher. And when, when he gets somebody following him, he can circle them off to the outside. He can circle to their open side, land those big open side kicks to the head and body and lead them into his counter punches. But he doesn't have a lot of pressure footwork and he, he relies on his footwork is very, he makes very big motions with his footwork. Uh, he does a lot of large bouncing and large steps, which is okay when you're off the back foot and you, you want to counter somebody coming into you. But if you look at the guys that have given Wonderboy trouble, like Matt Brown, they advance very consistently, but also patiently. Uh, when you're cutting off somebody who moves a lot, it's a lot more reliable to use small steps. Because like I was saying before, Wonderboy will trick you into planting your feet somewhere and then move out the other side. So when you're making those big motions and trying to really commit to a side and plant your feet to land a big attack, Wonderboy will bait you into doing that and just kind of slip out the open side. Uh, so all this contributes to me just not really seeing Neil being able to force him into exchanges consistently. Um, I think there's, like I said, Wonderboy is, he's vulnerable in a lot of ways, but a lot of those ways are things that I'm not really sure MMA fighters are prepared to exploit. Uh, so I think you need certain things to be able to beat Wonderboy more so than just being a great striker. Um, if you, if you look at like the Pettis fight, Pettis throwing those punching combinations into hard low kicks is a really good way to beat Wonderboy. Neil doesn't really do that at all. I haven't seen Neil really put his kicks behind his punches and he doesn't really throw leg kicks much. I think he can do some work kicking on the outside, but I don't really see much evidence that first of all, he's going to be able to pressure Wonderboy and counter him. Um, in those exchanges. And I don't think he's going to have much success kicking his legs just because he seems to rely on throwing one-off kicks from range. Um, there, there's one other way to beat Wonderboy, aside from pressuring him and looking to take out his legs and trap him in exchanges. It's theoretically possible to time his blitzes and inter intercept him with counters, but he does enough. He does a good enough job fainting his way in and out that I think it's really tricky for an MMA striker to make that work. And while Neil's a decent counterpuncher, he hasn't shown enough skill for me that I think he can kind of lure Wonderboy in and punish his blitzes. His, his counter game is more, uh, he doesn't really do simultaneous counters, which if you watch Wonderboy's fights, those are the counters he typically falls victim to most. Luke hit him with a really good cross counter over the top of his jab. Woodley, I think one of the, the knockdowns in their fight came up from a simultaneous counter. Neil usually waits for his opponent to throw tries to slip it and then answer back. But Wonderboy is great at proactively angling off after he attacks. He'll like throw, throw a blitz and then immediately step to the side before the guy has time to fire back. Uh, so I think really everything in Neil's game is very poorly set up to exploit Wonderboy's habits. In his prime, I think this would honestly be kind of a cakewalk for Wonderboy. Now he's like 37 years old or something like that. He's been in the game forever and his durability is starting to slip. So I wouldn't be too shocked if Neil's speed and power just surprises him and he gets kind of cold caught, but I still think it should be a fairly comfortable win for Wonderboy. Yeah, I mean, Ryan's kind of done a bend. I'm done like all three parts and like one, but... Wait, are there uh, supposed to be three parts? Oh my God, Jesus. He doesn't even watch our own content. This was poorly Lord. explained. I have never this watched this podcast before. I do not watch anything okay. we do. That's fine. You're just Ben now. Okay. Wow. 
Well, for that reason, uh, when we go, so I'll talk about Wonder Boy and Neil uh, and the matchup, I guess, and <laughs> that can go into Neil and the matchup. This is odd. Okay. Oh, okay. So we were supposed to like talk about the first guy and then the second guy and then how they match up. Yes. That was not properly explained. I, I, I love I love how you're figuring this out in real time. This is this is actually I, I I don't think I can properly convey how amusing this is to me right now. This is great. I love this. The guest got it. Jesus Christ. We are a super professional operation. I, uh, no, I thrive for this kind of chaos. Don't get me wrong. It's not that like I could do this shit every week. This is great. <laughs> So, uh, Wonder Boy, I mean, I've kind of been closer to the I don't like him side than Ryan mentioned, the filthy centrist, than uh, a lot of people who actually know things. But, you know, I'm kind of more on the Lucas side, which we should have brought him on to and just completely forgot. I wanted time to bring zones. him gone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, time zones would have made it tough. But anyway, Lucas is perhaps the premier hole puncher and Stephen Thompson's kickboxing record, which is tough because there aren't many holes to punch. There aren't many places to punch holes. But anyway, I think Thompson is, Ryan mentioned most of his game. He keeps a long range. Uh, he likes to blitz forward and uh, angle off. He's, I think he's pretty overrated as a kicker, which is one thing that Ryan didn't mention, although he would have if we gave him enough time, because that's kind of where we get all our ideas from. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Thompson's out there just DMing me, hey, what do you think about this guy? And then repeating it on the podcast. Oh, yes, that is indeed me and not anybody else. But yeah, I mean, I think Thompson is, uh, he's not completely harmless at range, but a lot of his kicking game is just built to maintain that range. As Ryan mentioned, as Luke came forward, and even as Masvidal came forward, they got obstructed by that side kick. But other than that, he's not that kind of uh, damaging, systematic kicker that someone like Alexander Volkanovsky or Hinata Moikano is which is kind of the company that people want to put him in as a kicker because he's a kickboxer and he does the spin and that's very impressive to people, which is fine, but it's not really uh, the most prominent part of his game. Um, and I think more concerningly is that he's not particularly much of a kick defender. Uh, as Ryan mentioned, he can dissuade a lazy kicking game as he did against Vicente Luque, who would kind of just blast them, which worked for a little bit. But the thing about Wonder Boy is that a lot of the better kickers that he's faced have kind of gotten off for free on him. Someone like Darren, Darren Till's not a very good kicker, but he was able to land those little linear kicks that jacked up his knee. Jorge Masvidal didn't really have to put a ton of craft behind his kicks in that fight to just chop away at his leg and uh, Wonderboy just ignored it. A lot of that's the bladed stance. He likes that a lot, which means that it has kind of a visible effect on him for one, but two, it's also harder to check them, uh, which means that he kind of has to rely on the dissuasion, which means that he kind of needs the reads and all of it comes together to just mean that it's not super hard to get kicks off. Um, with regard to Jeff Neal, I think it's not a fight in which Neal can necessarily get off his preferred kicking type of strategy. As Ryan mentioned, he's a southpaw double attacker. A wonder boy is southpaw pretty often. He switches around, but he's southpaw pretty often. And uh, Neal doesn't really kick legs. He wants to uh, play the straight off the head kick, which he did pretty well against Bilal Muhammad uh, later in the fight and against Frank Camacho and pretty much everyone he's faced. He knocked out Mike Perry with it. But the issue with doing that in close stance is the guys can just kind of get behind the shoulder. There are a lot more responses possible when it's not open stance. And the option is in either wide guard, narrow guard, and, uh, you know, slip to the outside of the straight, which really sets the, the high kick up better. So I'm not sure whether Neil's going to do well against another southpaw, which is a concern that I've had even back when they were talking about, like, Neil against RDA or Neil against guys like Leon Edwards. It's, it's a tough matchup for him, I think, if it's a, a dedicated southpaw. Uh, Wonder Boy, he switches around, but he likes to be in Southpaw pretty often, and he's not a dumb fighter, and I think that's going to be one of the first things that he tries. 
Um, so the matchup, I'm more worried than a lot of people about where Wonderboy stands. I think we saw before that both the margins of his hands down style, which isn't like, it's not a bad way to fight necessarily, but it does give you like uh, a little bit less margin. If you're like hands are like floating around up here versus floating around down here, you can like fluke block things, which Wonderboy doesn't have. Uh, the mechanics of his, ex of his exit against Pettis were kind of what got him caught because he like galloped backwards with his feet together, which caught him in midair, uh, which was kind of gross to see. But Pettis just kind of exploded off the fence and got him. Uh, Woodley got him a couple times exploding off the fence and every time he decided to pressure in the fight, which is pretty concerning. I don't know if Neil can build a game around that because Neil uh, prefers, as Ryan might have alluded to this, he prefers when his opponents walk into him. Uh, he's pretty good at hitting the straight, framing and angling off, which he did to Frank Camacho ad infinitum. Um, but Wonderboy Thompson is probably going to draw Neil forward. And it's a tough fight. I'm just not really sure whether this is a place where I want to be trusting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, I've taken to call him Wonder Middle-Aged Man because I'm yeah. stealing Peter Yen's jokes. <laughs> Wonder Guy. Let's go Wonder Guy. That's a little more humane. But middle-aged guy, I mean, he's not quite middle-aged, but he's getting there. I mean, let's getting close. Let's keep that one warm. We're all in our, like, happens. lower yeah. mid-20s. So yeah, I'm 21, so that's... People. Yeah. Oh, Wonder senior Christ. citizen. Oh, wow. I fell into the ball pit. Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. <laughs> now I know. Now I got to protect my... Oh, you motherfuckers. You tricked me. Oh. <laughs> so, we've seen him get knocked out by a, a fairly brittle lightweight who's on the older side and didn't really have much of an idea to deal with him. That's another thing is that uh, Pettis was kind of getting ripped apart for most of that fight, but he did have the idea with the kicks. I don't know if I trust Neil too, but I also think Neil is probably more dangerous at this stage in his career. I'm not sure how I would recommend Neil approach this fight, to be honest. Superman I think punches. he's... What's that? Superman punches. Superman hooks. <laughs> Showtime back ticks. But no, uh, I think Neil is... We saw in the Nico Price fight, Neil is pretty uncomfortable defensively. He's not completely dissimilar to Vicente Luque and his reliance on a static high guard. And we saw against Luque, which was over a year ago, which is another concern that I have, but we saw against Luque that uh, Wonderboy is still pretty comfortable playing that kind of fight where someone with a pretty raw defense just kind of walks into him over and over and he can just tear that shell apart. Um, so I don't think pressuring is the way if he can't do it from a longer range and if he can't do it patiently, which I'm not sure he can. I think drawing Wonderboy forward could give some trouble to Wonderboy in terms of getting things done. But I also don't know if Neil wins that fight if Thompson is southpaw and just keeps the longer range that Ryan mentioned. It's, a, it's an odd fight. I can see it being very slow. And I feel like Neil doing the attrition is, might, be the, might be paying off. But I also... I'm very conflicted on it. I think I'm going to lean Neil just on like being the younger guy, but it's also not a matchup that's bound to flatter him until he pulls out the uh, 720 tornado kick. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do have some faith in the uh, crew over at Fortis, perhaps devising some measure. And I don't know that it, they, uh, I'm not saying they could have like the more complete game plan to uh, dismantle Thompson, but I'm pretty sure they, they'll have some and at least enough elements that they've been able to. Uh, break down and say okay listen this is what he does best this is what you should avoid you know I, I do think they'll be able to give him some sort of edge there whereas you know Thompson in his training situation varies from camp to camp um you know that's not to say that he's not a smart fighter I just think that Jeff Neal given the sort of support that he has it might play a factor into how he uh, takes this on and I uh, I mean, I'm still curious to see how it goes on. I'm not super hyped for this night, but I'm, I'm very at least interested purely from a technical perspective as to how this goes out. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. Uh, Fortis did give Carlos Diego Fajeda a surprisingly good pressure game against Mervek Tysimov, which isn't something that every fighter can do necessarily. Mm-hmm. But they're a good camp in terms of looking at opponents and seeing what they uh, do well. Uh, Carlos and, Diego and- Fajeda is awesome. We should just talk about how awesome he is instead of the other fights. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, who's he fighting? He's fighting Dariush. We should talk about how yeah. awesome he's Dariush he- is. That's a cool fight. I mean, I like our- that fight more than anything on this card. It's close. Uh, yeah, you're not you're not excited for Font versus Marais. I, I like that. That sounds pretty good. It's a fun fight. Yeah, I like that. I mean, then you got Greg Hardy fighting Tabor. That's that's a thing that's happening. Oh, wow, that's it's, wow. Okay, it's it's there. I mean, amongst all this, it's <laughs> there. <laughs> I don't know how else to talk about this. But this this is. Man, this is a this this is a weird pick'em. Holy shit! They really did like bring out the dustpan and the little mini broom and like, look here, just here's the here's here's the final event of the year. Have fun with that. I, just, I can only hope that the uh, Ted Ware fight is three rounds of the finest cage grinding we've seen at heavyweight. Ah, oh, boy, yeah. I I don't know how that guy's somehow on a winning streak. That's just so strange to me. I mean, the difference between the finest cage grinding at heavyweight and the worst cage grinding at heavyweight is like pretty much nothing. Like 20 There's pounds. very little, yeah. This is very true. I'm actually, I'm, I'm slightly more excited for the KSW event this weekend than I am for uh, whatever this mishmash is. Supposed Apparently, to there be. was ACA, which I should have watched, but I completely missed. There was, yeah, there yeah, was. Um, Belayev was fighting. Uh, who Felipe was it? Felipe Fruez. This is yeah. actually oh, a really good fight. God. I should watch that. But, uh, anyways, we were talking about what Wonder was Boy it? Neil. Wonder Boy, yeah. Wonder Boy Neil. Wow. Yeah, who has just given everyone enough context to know that you should not watch this fight. No. Uh, I mean, I, no, you watch fight. it at your peril. Yeah. You know, if you live on the East Coast and you stay up for this, man, you really got the holiday spirit. I mean, it's a little bit earlier than usual, so that's something. Yeah, uh, but also, you know how they drag these things out. I mean, this thing will probably still end up at two in the morning. Who's got the energy for that? I'm gotta old. watch. You know, the Nate's missing some screws, man. Yeah, no kidding. You gotta miss it the night of and then watch it the tomorrow morning. Oh, that's what I do for every card. I don't know if you've realized. That's, that's exactly the best way to watch it. For everything. I work Sunday morning super early, so like if I got to be up at four thirty, I'm not staying up watching that shit. But anyway, speaking of Wonder Boy's physical state, I think we kind of forgot to mention that Neil actually had congestive heart failure about four months ago. Which yeah, I don't wow. know. I actually heard some people say that he might have misstated congestive for congenital, which would be slightly less bad. Cause congestive heart failure has like six month life expectancy but <laughs> I, yeah i hope so i hope, I he, hope, I hope he, yeah but anyway that's also a concern from a cardio and general health perspective he made the weight which is cool but uh yeah i mean overall i think i'll just go with the younger guy because it's something that's worked out with some relative consistency recently and i just don't really trust wonder boy moving forward that much and i don't know if i want to be holding a wonder boy ticket that much longer but I also think that Neil's going to look pretty bad until he finds a shot. So, uh, Vic, what's your read on this fight slash Jeff Neal? Dude, I I, I got to go with Jeff Neal. I don't know how much, like, as, as, yeah, as smart as Wonderboy is, I, I don't know that I can trust him to keep this guy off of him for five rounds, picking apart from the outside, which I believe was going to be his greatest chance. I don't think he's going to knock him out. And the thing that we've already seen Steven have his, his off switch hit, and if anybody can pound on that thing, like just like, you know, like in a cartoon fashion, jumping up and down on the giant button, it's going to be Neil. I mean, he, 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 he demolished Mike Perry and Frank Camacho. Sure, these are not the most defensively sound fighters ever. But who had prior to that put out Mike Perry and in that fashion? 
You know what I mean? This is like stopping RoboCop. Like, whoa, hold on a second. We got to study this. I don't know how you did that, but okay. I have an idea how you did that. Make of that whatever you will in terms of Mike Perry having a lot of wear and tear, having eaten a lot of shots, all that stuff. Fine. I will grant you that, but it was still an amazing accomplishment. And just in terms of raw power and the ability to land that shot and to do that, that's what worries me. That's why I think, I think that if he manages to find the prime setup, I think he might be able to do some sort of damage. Maybe not enough to put him away, but like at least to put him on roller skates. Because again, he's got to find that opportunity and create that opening. I do think that, you know, as we've discussed, you know, Neil, his offense is much more limited, but he works so well with what he's got. You know, I can see that pathway opening. And that's really where I think this whole thing is going to, what it's going to come down to ultimately. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to put you especially since he is the more athletic of the two and neither one of them is looking to put on a wrestling one. Wonderboy has gotten a bit more aggressive in his recent fights too. I think he, uh, he used to seem to be like a lot more content to sit on the outside and make the fight really boring as long as he's getting the fight he wants. But against, um, against Luque and against Pettis, there's a lot more willing to take the lead and step into boxing range on his own. He got caught a lot by Luque in the second round, even though he was kind of beating the shit out of him because he would follow him to the fence and try to put punching combinations on him. So I, I think definitely if he, he does the same thing here and if he's beating Neil wide and does try to get aggressive instead of just hanging back and letting the fight be a little bit boring just to, just to make sure Neil doesn't get into his exchanges, then he can create some opportunities for Neil to work on the counter. Yeah, I mean, I think Wonderboy is definitely the smart pick, like, given everything that we've seen so far, and that's why Ryan's making it, because he is completely bereft of joy and hope. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think... Some people like Wonderboy. What's that? Some people like Wonderboy. I don't believe that one bit. But I think it's... Yeah, I think Wonderboy is probably the, uh, the guy who's going to be winning minutes in this fight, and it's pretty tough to see... Uh, Neil, like, finding a consistent way to deal with him, I think. It's just the margins that are really, really worrying me here for Wonderboy. Even moving forward, uh, I think this is the longest layoff he's had Spoken since like that Brown loss. What's that? Spoken like an accountant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. But, yeah, I think it's uh, it's kind of troubling, given that we've seen him get knocked out once already. I mean, the Luque fight was pretty encouraging, I think, seeing Wonderboy look like prime slash vintage Wonderboy. Wonder but it's also a matchup that I think everyone in the know kind of expected to flatter him a little bit uh, because, you know, Luque is that, that kind of opponent who's going to uh, close distance a little bit less carefully and who's not the best defensively, to put it very kindly to him. But, yeah, I think, I think Neil finds it, and uh, it's just one of those youth picks. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we should move on. What's, is the comment of an Aldo? Aldo Cheeto? I know you don't want to talk about this, Ryan. I know I'm it is. Yes. yes, yes, it is Aldo versus Cheeto. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it either. I mean, I, I guess I'll start with this one. Uh, Jose Aldo versus Cheeto Vera. Um, Aldo is like sixth or seventh ranked in the division right now, zero uh, and two, but with pretty courageous showings against Marlon Moraes and Peter Yen. And Cheeto Vera's off the Sean O'Malley win and the Song Yadong kind of win. It, it probably should have been a win, but it was a very good fight. So I'm not going to complain too much about it. I thought he won. Yeah, he looked very good. I, I gave it to him like 2-1, but it also wasn't like a, a complete travesty, I guess. So uh, I guess the dynamic, because this is, we're not going to, we didn't do it for any of the fights, but we're not going to go through each of the fighters for this one. Uh, so Jose Aldo, at this point, he's pretty, I think he's a parody of what people thought he was a couple years ago. 
where he has like a couple rounds to do work and then he's just completely done for the rest of the fight. Um, he's not super hard to get volume off on as someone like Volkanovski should because he's just pretty content to not do anything for long stretches of the fight. But when he does things, he's still pretty potent. Uh, he's defensively a mixed bag now, which is very sad for me to say because Aldo used to be the opposite of a mixed bag defensively. But he can navigate pocket exchanges pretty well just based on you know feel. And he's not, uh, and no one's tried to kick him since uh, Marias and that one big kick, but he used to be one of the better kick defenders and that was still there against Moicano. So that's something. As a punch defender at range, he's not very good. Uh, he can't really see the shots coming and he's just, you know, he doesn't really have that much there. Uh, I think Cheeto's a pretty forgiving opponent for Aldo in isolation. He's not the kind of outside straight shots that someone like Sean O'Malley, uh, God damn it, would have been. And I think him being that kind of, well, A, him being a slow starter is going to cause him some trouble because he's definitely going to drop round one and not put much of a pace on Aldo through that. And two, it's going to be rough for him to play his kind of uh, clinch swarmy game that he likes doing against Aldo, who still has some of the better footwork and outside game uh, in the sport. He kept Peter Jan off him for a good bit, which is pretty impressive, even though it was something that we didn't really expect because... Um, yeah, Peter Jan's one of the better pressures when he gets going, and he was able to keep Jan from pushing into range and pushing him back. He was able to stand his ground with that kicking game, um, kicking Jan on his entries, and still not being too liable on the po- in the pocket to just you know get completely destroyed and roughed up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a rough fight stylistically for Cheeto. Cheeto's also not hard to counterpunch, which is something that Brian's pointed out on several occasions, uh, and that's why he picked Sean O'Malley over Cheeto. But... Uh, yeah, I just, I don't really trust Jose Aldo at this stage. And I think every showing he has is going to be worse than the last one, which is depressing because Aldo was very, very consistent in his prime. Um, yeah, I'm going to take like a, a guess and say Aldo pulls it off by like a very narrow fight, which probably should uh, get Cheeto a 10-8 round three, but it's rough. Uh, Aldo, unanimous decision via... Lots of kicks and outside work, but Cheeto makes a good account of himself, I guess. Uh, Vic, what's your read on this one? I'm actually thinking, and I know this is going to sound insane, but I really do think that Aldo stops him. It's going to be a very steep uphill climb. I think it's going to be working from the outside, like you said, but then eventually integrating body shots, because I don't know how well Vera's been able to manage that so far. I think he's going to test him there. I think he's going to probably test not so much his cardio, but, you know, if he decides to take it to the ground, Aldo's pretty well-versed in that arena as well. Although Vera is slicker. He does have more of that new wave jiu-jitsu. You know, he's not like, uh, this is, you know, if I were to make, and it's not the best comparison, but, you know, like uh, Big Nog versus Verdum. You know, some dudes are just slicker because they're not they're not reliant on some of the uh, older setups. You know, they're, they're able to cut corners in certain spaces and be able to, get from one position to the next and be able to threaten in different arenas, different manners uh, to either, you know, fake out the choke to get the arm, things of that sort. Um, I don't know how successful that's going to be against Aldo. I think that's going to be what uh, should the fight hit the ground, which, you know, good luck getting Aldo down there, but uh, should it hit the ground, Aldo off his back is probably where he's, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably probably i mean i could see like some sort of tripping from clinch or something like that but um i mean can he really out muscle aldo like that he probably could but 
will he? And is that in fact advisable? Uh, although off his back could probably be controlled for a fair bit to get you ahead on the scorecards to sort of neutralize him for a bit. But I don't know that that's even going to happen in the first place. And as much as I love Vera's evolution as a striker, this dude has been an old dog that's managed to do so much in all of the, the entirety of his career. I'm a little concerned here with this. I don't really think that that's uh, um I don't really think this is going to be what Cheeto and his team at, at, at Team Oyama are going to expect. I really do think he's going to pull out some of the more vintage attacks and approaches because, again, look, this is a, this is a situation in which Vera hasn't really faced a striker of this caliber necessarily, at least not recently, and someone who's able to throw out so many different things and give him so many different looks. I wonder if he's going to be able to um, resist – biting on some of the feints that Aldo's going to be throwing somewhere near the midpoint of the fight. And I don't know, man. I, I think he's going to slow him down. And, and again, I, I really think the key to this is going to be attacking the body and doing more of an in and out approach and coming off, uh, coming out of the exchanges off angles, punctuating the exchanges with leg kicks. I, I think it's got more to do with that than anything else. If he's able to do that and keep it at a consistent pace, I think he's going to be able to do major damage late and eventually put him away. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I think it feels almost not as important to look at how their their games and their skill sets match up in this fight as much as just their cardio. Uh, I think stylistically, Aldo is pretty obviously a bad matchup for Cheeto. Cheeto is, he does his best work on the inside when he's swarming, uh, when he's his opponent trapped against the cage and he can enter the clinch and land knees and body shots. He's not that great at range. He has a kicking game, but it's not... He throws his kicks pretty well. They're hard kicks, but he doesn't really have a lot of ancillary skills around his kicking game. He's not really setting them up with punches really well. He mostly just throws one-off kicks. Um, he's not he's not throwing them in combination or working any kind of clever setup. So I don't think Aldo will have too much trouble. Hey, hey, little guy, how you doing? Uh, but I don't think Aldo will have much trouble dealing with his one-off kicks at range. I'm not sure how effectively Aldo's going to kick here himself. He's definitely the more effective kicker, um, but he's also shown himself to be pretty fragile lately. In the Peter Jan fight, uh, I think he stopped kicking around the third round after, I think halfway through the third round, he landed a, he threw a hard kick and Jan kind of half checked it. Uh, he, he like pulled his leg up to check it and didn't really get a proper check, but Aldo's leg kind of clanked off his ankle a little bit and Aldo didn't throw kicks after that. And it wasn't like, a really hard check or anything. It was just kind of an incidental ankle connection. So I think if Cheeto is able to check some kicks early, that it could well put Aldo off feeling comfortable kicking. Um, especially since Cheeto is pretty good at that himself. He doesn't have a super bladed stance. If you look at the Jan fight, Aldo could kind of kick with impunity early until Jan adjusted because Jan stands very bladed and he's not able to get his leg up and turn his shin into the kicks easily. Whereas Cheeto, he's a lot less weight on the front foot. His stance is pretty square. So I can definitely see him having success checking kicks early. I'm not too worried about him grappling Aldo here. I think Aldo is still uh, a good enough defensive grappler and especially urgent enough off the bottom that it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Uh, Aldo only really struggled with top players in the fifth round after, after he was quite gassed already. Uh, when anybody got him down earlier than that, he would... He had one of the, the best bottom games in MMA, I think, where he would very quickly uh, just kind of flip out and then immediately get back 
constantly moving his hips, constantly stuffing the head down in order to stand up. Uh, but the problem with Aldo here is that, as Sir mentioned, he's not what he once was. His defense isn't great anymore. Well, he still has the um, like the chain head movement options that he did in his prime. He knows how to how to move his head in exchanges. He can still kind of keep his head moving proactively and make guys miss, but he doesn't see shots coming as well as he did before. He particularly seems to struggle with straight punches and his cardio has fallen off a cliff lately. Uh, it seems like in recent fights, since about the, the Stevens or Moicano fight, he seems to have about two and a half rounds of good fighting in him. And it seems to be less affected by how much volume his opponent throws or what the pace is rather than just like a factor of time. So even in low volume fights, he, he seems to gas out at about the same point. In the Marais fight and the uh, Jan fight, he was done around halfway through the third round. And after that point, he basically stopped being able to, to get offense off. Uh, his defense was just completely falling apart and he looked like he was pretty much done. And the Yan fight was obviously fought at a much higher pace than the Marais fight. So even if he is able to slow Cheeto down a little bit uh, and counter land hard counters early to, to prevent him from feeling comfortable swarming and upping the volume, I think he'll still hit that cliff midway through the third round where he just kind of falls off and can't do much. And when that does happen, Cheeto is going to be hell for him. Vera, I think somebody mentioned before, but Vera is a slow starter. He doesn't tend to start really hard in round one. He'll usually lose the round and look kind of bad. But then as the fight picks up, he picks up steam. His volume increases. He starts working either to the cage and starts swarming. Uh, his brutal body work starts taking a toll. And if Aldo reaches that point in, in round three where he's kind of not able to do much anymore, I think Cheeto will really start to overwhelm him, especially if he can get Aldo on the cage and work with those flurries of body shots and knees. Uh, so I think I'm going to, I'm going to pick a draw. I think Aldo probably wins the first two rounds. He's, he's the slicker striker at range. He's more experienced. He's more skilled. Uh, and I think there's a good chance he'll, he'll win those rounds on the cards. But then in round two, I have real trouble seeing him staying durable and staying in those exchanges with Cheeto. And I think, Chijo is likely either to beat him really badly, um, perhaps to a finish, or just get an obvious 10-8 round. So I think it's either going to be a draw or a fight that Aldo narrowly wins, which I think should have been a draw, at least. So I'm picking Aldo to win early and then Chido to destroy him in the last round, probably to a 10-8 round. That's the kind of specificity we need. <laughs> Uh, draw's probably like plus 10,000 or something. So that's something. Wow. You should definitely bet your entire house on a draw. Yeah. I'm gonna that. Yeah, that would be, that would be a hell of a, oh my God, that would be fun. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to add. I think I agree with all that. Um, all those pretty tough for a cage swarmer is pretty much my entire read here. And uh, all the gases is the other part of that, so. I hope Cheeto wins. This is the first time in a long time I'm going to be rooting against Aldo. Come on, Cheeto's cool. You gotta like him. Cheeto's, Cheeto's cool. Cheeto's cool. But I, 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 I would feel so sad if Aldo lost. I mean, shit. I don't know. Or lost. Yeah, Aldo. I feel that. Just, it no. would be sad. I don't know. I don't want. I don't like seeing guys that have already had their time and kind of stuck around past the point where they maybe should beating cool young contenders that I like. So I hope Cheeto kind of gets a rub here. I don't want yeah, all of them to stick around just killing all the, the neat prospects. I, I respect that, but at the same time, that's kind of on the prospect, isn't it? I mean, you know. I mean, that's fair. 
consider that Aldo wanted to retire off three losses uh, or three wins both rather before he started losing. Maybe if he wins, he just retires. Or maybe they start giving him two round fights. Uh, that'd be the best. Yes. You know, it's funny though. Cause like, I, I really was concerned about this whole thing. He's like, Oh, I'm going to drop down to 145. Like, no, we've been telling you to move up for years. Why are you doing this? And it's like, Oh, we hired a nutritionist. So wait, you, you never did that. How, why? No, but when, yeah. Baba, why? You were about to pass out like four fights in a row with the way. <laughs> And, you know, look, he's actually making it work. He doesn't look as bad as people thought at the weigh-ins, and he's happy. And I, I don't know. I don't know that I really want to take that away from him. If he can still compete at a high level, shit, I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, even in the first couple rounds, Aldo was still, like, a top five-ish bantamweight. I don't think that's – I don't even think it's particularly close. Like, the, guy, the fight that he gave Peter Jan is really crazy for someone at his stage of his career at a weight class yeah. that he probably shouldn't be at. So, yeah, yeah. especially after getting hurt to the body in the first round, that's just, it, it's insane. I think yeah. he took like, he took round two clearly and he might've taken round three, something like that. So yeah, probably. It, it, it's wild. Uh, yeah. So I guess the last fight we're going to talk about Bantamweights again, uh, Rob Font versus Marlon Moraes. I'll let Ryan start this one off because uh, he's the Marlon Moraes super fan. <laughs> okay. I don't have too many thoughts about Rob Font. It's been a while since I've really watched a lot of his fights. He's a pretty solid boxer. He has a really good jab. Um, and he, has a, he uses it well, both in terms of just like needling guys with that at range, but it's a good setup shot too. Uh, he knows how to feint it and vary the rhythm to confuse guys and land combinations. Uh, he's also sneakily kind of good in the clinch. Uh, I think it was Douglas Silva D'Andrage that he really messed up with knees, the double, co- double collar tie, and then like made him duck into front headlocks. Marais is... He's a pretty solid boxer himself, but he's not a very nuanced boxer. Positionally, his footwork is quite good on the outside, uh, and he mostly uses his boxing just kind of in short counterpunches just to dissuade guys from getting into deeper exchanges. When he does get into deeper exchanges, his boxing kind of falls apart. He's not the most layered boxer or defensive fighter. His defense is decent at range, but if guys can really push forward and force him back, make him uncomfortable they can hit him rather easily. The real meat of his game is his kicking game. He's an excellent kicker, both on the front foot and the back foot. He sets his kicks up marvelously. He has one of the the trickiest switch kicks in MMA, probably the best. Uh, His his lead leg head kick is incredibly hard to see coming. It's insanely fast and it catches guys unaware all the time. Uh, He can kick off the back foot as well too, which is pretty rare in MMA. So when guys are coming forward and throwing punches at him, they have to worry about those lead leg kicks slotting into the body or those leg kicks coming back at them. Where he falters is either with with pressure, with guys who are really durable and can walk past his first stage counters and force deeper exchanges, or guys like Corey Sandhagen who can use those little throwaway shots and feints to needle him from range and to, to bait him into throwing those powerful counters and whipping at air and then coming back with their own strikes. Font, I'm not, I can kind of see Font working a kind of a combination of those games, pressuring and forcing exchanges when he is able to and drawing out counters at range. But I'm not too sure he's really able to deal with Mariza's, the power and finesse of Mariza's kicking game. Uh, I think Font will have trouble dealing with the, the leg kicks, especially given how much he relies on the jab. And Marais is quite good at counter kicking, so I expect him to try to take that jab away with the hard leg kicks. The the other X factor in this is that Marais has been fighting for like 11 years as a pro, maybe a little bit more than that, 
somewhere between 10 to 12 years. He's quite old and he's been looking, uh, he looks like he's fallen off a little bit lately. The, the Cejudo fight was the first indication that his durability uh, might be a limiting factor in fights. And that's kind of gotten more pronounced since that fight. His cardio has also been looking less great. He seemed to gas out against Aldo and that fight wasn't super high paced. Obviously in the Cejudo fight, he gassed and like, he, he beat the shit out of Cejudo in round one and kind of blew his wad and then Cejudo walked through everything and tired him out very quickly. I don't think Font can do that. He's not a ridiculously durable tank like Cejudo is. He is quite durable. He's a good boxer. He can get in Mariza's face and rough him up with punches. I think he also might have some success in the clinch here, uh, especially in the Cejudo fight. Mariza looked very helpless in the fight in the clinch after he'd tired. And if Font can push through some of those kicks and counter punches, force Mariza to work early and then put it on him late, I think he could have quite a bit of success with clinch offense if that's something he chooses to push though I'm not sure he's the, the, the kind of fighter to really look for the clinch if it's not handed to him. Um, I think I'm going to take, yeah, I'll take Marais by decision or wouldn't be surprised to see him knock out um, Font with a head kick early, but I am a little bit worried for him in this fight. I don't know that his durability and cardio will hold up. And I think that if he loses a step in terms of cardio or durability, Font is a very difficult fighter to be doing that against. Yeah, uh, I agree with all that. I think uh, you mentioned this clinch. It's something that I've been pretty interested in for a while, because even against uh, Thomas Almeida and Sergio Pettis, he did some nice things with pushing his opponents to the, uh, to the fence, using these little frames to keep his hands on them. Uh, against Almeida, he did this uh, really slick thing for the finish where he threw the right hand. Almeida like slipped to the outside of it, and he used the frame to push him into a head kick. The was, frames are really cool. Um, in the Douglas Silva-Deandraj fight, he was doing a thing where he threw like a dipping jab, and then just kind of laces, leave his jab out there and lace the arm um, on Silva's head and use that to like frame into uppercuts and end of the clinch. Does some oh, cool yeah. stuff there. Yeah, I remember one time uh, Silva Deandraj tried to like dip out of an exchange and he just kind of jabbed and followed him down with it. So uh, Font is pretty slick there. He's very aggressive in pretty much every phase, almost pathologically so. I've seen someone call him Calvin Cater on crack, which works out pretty well. <laughs> Because uh, there's that's uh, not how crack works. God damn it. <laughs> I wait, wait, let, let's let's pause this for a moment. How does crack work? Man, that's that's you're gonna have to put that on Patreon. I ain't giving that shit out. <laughs> I'm fucking up. That ain't happening right here, my G. But yeah, I mean there's a lot of this they're in the same team, which is uh they're they're the new Aldo and Brown in terms of mythical friendships, but uh, there are a lot of the same elements, as Ryan mentioned. There's the uh, pretty granular, pretty skilled jab. There's also the kind of issues with having the jab taken away with them, with the kind of distancey, leg kicky attack. We saw it with Moicano and Zabit for Cater, and we saw it with Rafael Asunsa for Rob Font, uh, where Asunsa just kind of stifled the jab at every uh, at every phase with his handsy back foot type game, uh, countered him a lot with the, uh, with the leg kick pretty often. And uh, even with the right-hand counter, playing with his distance very well. I'm not sure if Marais is the kind of guy to do that because Marais is, he's not quite as composed in the face of a, a hard matchup, I think. Asunsao, uh, even you can see in the Sanhagen fights, Asunsao, even against Sanhagen, like coming out hot and looking like a bad matchup early, was able to kind of find ways back into the fight where Marlon Marais just kind of fell apart. Um, Font, I think he's going to be pushing into the danger zone pretty often. He's, a, he's, an, aggressive, he's an aggressive pressure, especially early. Uh, he comes out really hot, jabbing his opponent back. Uh, he hits the body pretty often. And 
I think all that's going to mean that Mirai's is early finish reliant here. Uh, the issue, again, as Ryan mentioned, is the kicking game of Mirai's. Uh, Font isn't really super prepared to deal with that. Uh, the X factor not only is Mirai's um, age and his wear and tear, I think, but also the fact that he got knocked out about two or three months ago, which it's a really quick turnaround for an old fighter, especially. I don't like seeing it, uh, even as someone who's never really been like a huge Mirai's fan, because uh, he beat a Samsa, and that is quite simply unforgivable. But um, I think I've been leading Font the whole time, and I think it's it's kind of a heuristic that I used after the Sanhagen fight, is that I don't think Mirai's is particularly prepared to deal with guys who are throwing more volume than him. Mirai's is a very good counterpuncher. Uh, he counterpunched John Dodson very reliably. He counterpunched, uh, I believe he counterpunched, did he counterpunch Sterling or Asunsa, one of those guys? But I, I think, think he dropped Asunsa with it, or dropped Sterling with it, and then did it a bunch to Asunsa in the first fight. Yeah, so both. Yeah, but I think uh, I think the thing about Mirai's is that as good as he is on the counter, he wants to be the guy who's a higher volume than his opponent. And that, you know, Rafael Sansao is a notoriously low volume counterpuncher. John Dodson, the same thing. Uh, Jimmy Rivera, that fight didn't really happen, but Rivera's also not like a volume pushy fighter. Um, and I think going past Mirai's thresholds has generally been the path to make him at least a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Mirai's wants to be the... Moraes wants to be the guy drawing responses out rather than being the one reacting to things. He's not, uh, he's no Rafael Sunsau, which no one is, but uh, he's not the kind of guy to age well because of that. And I think he's not the kind to like draw uh, guys into traps that the same way with limiting their volume. Um, I'm going to go with Font. I think Moraes uh, has a good first round, kind of makes Font look silly uh, on the upside probably, but also it just kind of wears down from Font's dogged, uh, kind of stupid volume, just blitzing forward and pushing him to the fence. So Font TKO round three, in my opinion. Vic? I'm actually going to go with Rob Font here. And I, I'm, uh, as much as I, well, I, I got to give a little bit of backstory here. So I started doing um, breakdowns and previews for Bloody Elbow back in 2014. And it was primarily doing stuff for secondary and tertiary organizations like World Series of Fighting. Lo and behold, who came the, to be the breakout star but Marlon Marais. So I've been watching this camp for a very long time, and there were two major knocks against him. Either he takes his foot off the gas en route to the you know midway point and basically coasts uh, throughout the uh, rest of the duration of the fight, or he just you know gets a wild finish early because he manages to bait an opponent into – situations where they should not be. And he's really good at putting them in adverse spots. I think there's two things that have happened here and it happens to everybody, you know, guys, they get figured out or they just end up in a training environment where perhaps their growth has stagnated or their ability to see and understand things and get different looks perhaps might be compromised. He has not been the same since his move to American top team, which is rare because, you know, usually they do a pretty good job at, at getting veterans uh, to turn things around to a degree, right? Like Andre Arlovsky. Yeah. yeah, he's not anywhere near the destroyer that he was back in, what, 2006. <laughs> he doesn't have to be. He's still winning fights in 2020. I don't know how he does it. He does it, right? He's still managing to make that happen. But it's because they're able to make guys a little sharper and making adjustments and doing things like that. I'm going to go watch a show, please. So, uh, yes, this is, this is the, okay, he's done. So, uh, this is the parenthood portion of the show where, no, no, don't do that. You're going to knock the phone over. I, all right. Uh, the point is, man, that, you know, people have to be a little more patient with their expectations of fighters. And I think that Marlon clearly is not 
going to be, uh, you know, he's on the cusp of being elite as, as well, but I don't think that he really belongs in that conversation of being truly elite because of the fact that he's going to run into guys like Rob Font that are going to pressure him, that are going to break him down and find those areas that make him least comfortable. When you're no longer able to intimidate an opponent with your leg kicks and your stop body kicks and things like, okay, I'll stop holding you. When you're unable to continue to do that uh, in your fights and guys oh, know, like, you need to go watch your show. See, there you go. Now you knocked it over. Go watch your show. <laughs> go watch your show. Daddy got to finish talking. Okay, cool. So, yeah, sorry about that. So, uh, when... Kids in Marais doesn't like what you're yeah, saying. He is. He's, he's, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a Rob Font hater is what he is. I think that's stronger than, than, than his love for Marais. Uh, when guys have seen pretty much everything you kind of have in your tool bag and they've seen you get dropped and uh, things maybe kind of run out. I mean, what other, what novelties could he bust out in this particular fight? I don't know. Not that he needs to do anything new in every single fight. Obviously that's asking way too much of any fighter and not, it it would be absolutely stupid for uh, anyone to request this because of course it's not necessary. Where I find this to be more of a concern is that you're looking at a guy in Rob Font who can absolutely crack and who can wrestle pretty damn well. Um, maybe not as well as some of the uh, guys like Cejudo, who, who Marlon also fought, but uh, does, he, does he need to be? Does, it, as long as he's able to keep that threat of the takedown and interweave that with his jab, with his level changes to, uh, you know, surging into an uppercut or pressing the guy against the cage and using foot stomps and then breaking him down from there testing his cardio, which has been another concern in some of his other fights. This isn't a five rounder. So it's not as big a question mark, but it is something to keep in the back of your mind. And unless he's focused on that, I don't know. I, and, and you know what's wrong? I'm glad you mentioned the three month web. I had forgotten that that oh, knockout yeah had been that recent because 2020 has been such a miasma of time. Everything sort of bleeds together. I couldn't tell you if that was two months ago, three weeks ago, or January. I really would. I took, I don't got knocked out. But, oh, God damn. Wow. He's, mm, they that good. fight like right after he got knocked out too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Oh, Christ. Wow. Damn. They really trying to get him either paid in a hurry or get him out <laughs> the paint in a hurry. Like, because he was pulling, I mean, oh, this is a guy, <laughs> it's like, it's because he's an Ali client and he was pulling down $100,000 in uh, World Series. Um, and I think that was just his show money. I don't know if that was a show win situation. So when those guys came over, him and Branch, and um, I can't remember who else came over from, uh, oh, somebody else came over from, from World Series. They were making either a comparative amount or about the same. <laughs> they can't even see, so they weren't cheap dates and we saw how they they dave branch man he, he got he got he got boxed out with the quickness but now you got marlon who's in a deeper and much more competitive division um taking on a hungry young whippersnapper he doesn't look it but he's got these years in the game and i just don't know i don't know if this whole thing i i don't want to put it on his team because i feel bad saying well it's just it's clearly it's the att thing that isn't working or not clicking but i don't know if I, I'm not sure what else to put this regression on. Is it the age? Is it the quality of competition, perhaps? Or is it maybe, again, the fact that he was once a novelty and now guys have figured out what it is that they need to be able to, if they can't stop him outright, at least muddy up the waters and get him to slow down and then immediately chip away at what was once this aura of invincibility. So, um, yeah, I'm worried, man. I, I see I see Font not falling for the okie doke. I see him countering the leg kicks with, with his uh, right hand. 
I, I see him pressuring and, you know, it's not to say that Marlon folds under pressure, but I think that when you're, when you're so comfortably ahead in so many of your fights, especially if you look at his run in world series again, and that this has extended itself into what he's done in the UFC. Um, when you're used to stopping guys and you're like, wait, that didn't stop him. You know, it's like the, um, the, 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 the cheat masters, right. When they get punched in the face for the first time, I'm like, Holy shit, wait, that's not supposed to happen. Fuck, stop. You know? it, it, there's like a glimmer of that in, in Marlon, you know, it's like, God, but I'm, I'm Marlon Rice. I'm the guy who kicks guys legs off and this isn't happening. And yeah, I, I, I think that this is a guy in font who is so durable and, you know, I'd be very surprised if he manages to get knocked out with a head kick from Marlon, like I think he could probably eat one or two of them. He'd have to, again, you got to find the button first. I don't know that he's actually going to be able to connect on those. He, he could draw him in and, you know, I, I'm still just so confident in, in, in Font's defense and being able to study Marlon and having a good team. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't see that being a, um, a likely avenue for Marlon to actually succeed here. Can they do it? Yeah, I'm sure they're probably, if they go tit for tat, if Rob is the one who probably starts slowing down or maybe uh, decides to uh, pace himself a little more and take his foot off the gas instead of Marlon. I, I, I can see that being much more beneficial to Marais, but again, which Marlon's going to show up? That's, that's, a, that's a big question. And for someone who's had questions regarding his uh, reliability down the stretch, it doesn't look good. I think I'm going to have to go with the fresher, younger fighter who is able to put that sort of hellacious pressure on guys who can hit super hard, especially on a guy who not only has had his button found, but had it stomped on not too long ago. Cause Christ, Oh God, I feel so bad for that now. Like nobody should be fighting this soon. This, this closely uh, removed from, from a knockout loss. I just, I, I don't, I really don't like this. This has made me incredibly sad. And man, I think you guys really broke me and ruined Christmas. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think what I'm trying to say is I'm going Rob Font. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, a moment of silence for Dave, the executive branch who beat Tiago Santos better than John Jones did. That's just all I have to say about Dave branch at every point. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if there's one word of caution I have here about Rob Font is that a lot of his offense isn't when it's not his jab or his right hand. A lot of it, when he tries to combo punch, leaves him pretty vulnerable. Um, he likes these shifting. That's why we call him Calvin Cater on drug of your choice, which makes you very angry and aggressive. Um, a lot of it's these like shifting combinations that don't really always work out. I think he got caught by Sergio Pettis a couple times with them. Uh, Asunsa made him look silly for it a couple times. Ricky Simone couldn't really do anything with them, but they were still there. Uh, I think that's one place where I think even if Font is pretty durable, if he's getting caught out of stance by Mirage left hooks, it's going to be pretty rough for him. But other than that, I think, I think the shape of the fight seems pretty established and it leaves Marlon needing an early finish. So that's all the fights on this card. Uh, pretty much. Is there anything else that anyone wants to talk about? Like Michelle. Quick picks for Hardy Tibura. Hardy oh, Tibura. Who do you think wins go? Did I tell you I got my PS5 today? Have you, have, you, have you heard about this? This is an amazing thing. I don't know if you've seen these things on TV or on the internet. They're just marvelous pieces of engineering. They, they really truly are. God damn, they take up a lot of space. Holy shit, that's done. Wow. <laughs> How's it going for you? You like the PS5? I, I actually, I'm thrilled. I love it. I can't wait to jump into Devil May Cry. It's amazing. That is a yeah, much better note to end this off on than the... Oh, God. <laughs> 
But, yeah, I mean, I think that's about it for this card. Um, watch it. I'm most excited for Font Marais. I think it has the best chance of being a fun fight. Uh, Aldo I think Wonderboy versus Neil should be pretty cool, too. Uh, Wonderboy, he's like kind of old, but he's not the kind of old that is boring to watch. He can he still has cardio. He can still keep up a pace. And but Neil's in theory, he's boring so. to watch just by himself. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if he's fighting somebody who's not going to, like, try and go for it, he'll he's pretty boring. But Neil is going to get himself hurt or he's gonna hurt wonder boy i think mm. yeah uh i'm a sucker for do or die fight so that sounds like my kind of action i just won't be watching it as it happens live but that's another story yeah i mean this entire card seems like a, a bit of a trial by fire theme where guys are taking pretty big leaps up in competition uh cheeto going from sean o'malley to jose aldo rob Font going from ricky simone to marlon marais and uh neil going from mike perry to uh, stephen wonderboy thompson so that's a, that's a pretty interesting, if they were doing taglines for it, I think that'd be it, just trial by fire. But yep. yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, check out the fight site. Check out Ryan at Ryan A. Wag MMA on Twitter. Uh, don't check me out. I'm not going to tell you my Twitter app. And check Vic out at Vic M. Rodriguez. Instagram M says. Uh, Vic, did I get yours right? Vic M. Rodriguez, right? That you did. Yes, indeed. Check out all his work on Bloody Elbow. Uh, thank you again for uh, joining us, Vic. It was no, my absolute pleasure, guys. Listen, anytime, anytime, please hit me up, man. I'm more than glad to do this again. I love you guys. Yeah, this was really great. And uh, thanks to Ryan for showing up uh, on video for like the only time this year. Uh, yeah, so keep that up. It'll so, be the only time he does it ever. Is that <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Making me feel uncomfortable, sure. You fuck around and point. find out with his self confidence. What are you doing? Sexual <laughs> harassment is the, is the theme of the fight site. Motherfuckers harassing me. <laughs> Now you know how Matt feels. That's the point. Oh, uh, there you go. All right. Before who? But yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see y'all later.